Welcome to Best Friend Simulator, a quality hangout in podcast form with your simulated best friends, Josh and Dennis. Well, we've caught ourselves in quite a predicament this week, Joshua. My pants are around my ankles, as they say. Dennis. We've really screwed the pooch, as we say. You we, see. We really killed the goat this time around. We really shot the Lincoln, as they say. We really shocked the monkey. We really left a little stank on the hang glider, as they say. <laughs> we really licked that lizard. What I'm trying to say, Josh, and we're going to stop being so evasive to the... <laughs> loyal best friend maniacs out there it's almost like we're padding for time here and what would make one who is recording a podcast pad for time josh uh, i would say probably opening up the notes right before you're about to start recording and finding mm-hmm. that there's only one thing listed yeah so throughout the week before we record josh and i will put in some ideas right <laughs> That we want to talk about some like little funny things or hey this was interesting and it turns out that uh neither of us really did that this week so we have really um we got a great show for you guys this week we've really lost the mustard as they say (laughs) we're just we're just winging in it whoops and this is the kind of preparation that we know really doesn't bring people back. (laughs) But, look, we've done it before, and we're going to do it again. We're going to wing it. And actually, in our short conversation prior to recording, we got some topics, so we're going to be okay. Yeah, if we hadn't addressed it at the beginning of the episode, you probably wouldn't even know. And that's what I was going to say. That's that's our attempt to be transparent with our loyal listeners. We're not going to sit here and just, like act like we were all cool and had it all ready to go. I know it's really easy for you, the BFS maniacs out there, to think, Josh and Dennis, those guys are just consummate professionals. There's there's such a gulf between me, just some fucking Joe Workaday, and, and them, the, these like guys just out there just killing it, recording, being entertaining, being so these good. podcast dudes, we, as we say. We're just we're just normal people like you guys. I mean, we're funny as hell, but otherwise we're normal. <laughs> we couldn't even say that with a straight face. <laughs> so, despite our lack of preparation that you have known us for, I think we can still do a good episode today. Don't you think, Josh? I think so. I think we're going to kill this one. I got a really good feeling yeah. about this. Who knows? We might come up with some wacky topic where we can really go off the rails about and probably talk way too long about, as we have in the past. <laughs> so, I'll cop to it. Part of why I've been focused elsewhere is that we've had some really nice weather this past week. I got a new bicycle a couple months ago, so I've been very pumped on going out riding, thinking about some camping trips I'm going to take, and so I've, I've been out doing a lot of that stuff, and, and you know, planning routes and things like that. So that, that's that been eating up a lot of my, my brain. And I'll cop to it from my end. Uh, I've been trying to find a new job and super stressed about it. And so I've been thinking a lot about that and driving people in my life crazy, being like, would you take this job? What do you think? What should I do? I just want somebody to make a decision for me. Should we, should we 
Kick that one out there uh, to the media. No, no, because <laughs> I came to the conclusion that this was really affecting my podcasting life. And so I needed to uh, shit or get off the potty, as they say. Okay. And I made a decision. So you shit your pants. I signed a contract with the Philadelphia Phillies, and I will be a professional baseball player from now on. Ooh, are you going to be Benjamin Slamkin? Benjamin Slamkin is the first fake baseball name you could come up with in no time. No, that's that's the new mascot. Benjamin Slamkin. You're going to come out and, in a violent upset, kill the Philly fanatic with a baseball bat. What would you do if you found out that, you know, I was being, as you say, uh... You were stalking the Philly fanatic? (laughs) (laughs) No. Uh, what would you do if you found out that I was being, uh, how do you, like, a a team was trying to assign me. They were, they were, what am I trying to say? You were you were being actively courted. Yes. Is that how that yes. works? What would you do if you found out that, Wind at nine? that your forty-year-old fat friend was being <laughs> courted by major baseball teams to be a baseball player? I would be really happy for you. Oh, thank you. Uh, I would like it if you did it because that means that when you come out here to play the Seattle Mariners, I could come visit and boo you from the stands. Oh, come on, man! I, I hey, was, you know, you know, I'm a big ball head. I was gonna <laughs> let you. You are a real ball head. I was going to let you in the clubhouse and eat in the green room. I'm assuming that there's a green room at the stadium for the baseball players. Yeah, that's where they, they add in all the CGI effects afterwards. Where, if I was playing for a... <laughs> You're an idiot. If I was playing for a baseball team, is there a place where prior to the games I can listen to my Red Hot Chili Peppers music and do my yoga? I'm sure. I'm sure about 40% of all baseball players actively do that before each game and by actively i mean like fucking really get into it they do their yoga like real hard that's how that works right yeah oh yeah i'm gonna oh, namaste hello to the sun or sun sun salutation angry yoga um so no so i made benjamin this... slamkin i'm sorry benjamin slamkin you got it so i i decided to stop uh, futzing around, and I made a decision, so I accepted a job. Thank you very much. All right. That I feel very fine about. I feel like I really made a decision. Congratulations. That, that could be a lot to make a decision. Have you ever made a decision where you're like, man, a lot could be hanging on this, and then you make a decision, and people are like, well, how do you feel about it? And you go, yeah, I did that. I think that's a part of being an adult, right? Yeah. It's not like I'm being like, you know, okay. The reality is, I was declined an offer from the Philadelphia Phillies. They I mean, they declined to see me, basically. Oh, yeah. Somebody else is going to be Benjamin Slampkin. You know, there was I did apply to be the mascot of the Oakland Athletics, right? No. Okay, I didn't really apply, but I saw the advertisement for it and I thought about it. But then <laughs> it was like you need and you need to be at least like five nine to fit in the suit. <laughs> I'm not that tall. Can you refresh my memory? What what is the the mascot? Of the Oakland Athletics? It is an elephant okay. wearing a baseball uniform. Okay. So there's Is it that. like an athletic elephant? Sure. I think like he's got real, a... Is it real toned? I think he's got a baseball bat in his trunk, as you do. Like of his car? Oh, oh, you're doing a little wordplay. I like it. <laughs> huh? You think we didn't prepare. <laughs> yeah, so, bas- so I think like you're right. Being an adult is like... It's not like, oh man, I could take this million dollars... Or I could take this stack of gold. It's like, 
you know, um, this job's offering one extra week of vacation. And you're just like, ooh, I want to get paid to go away or not. Nice. Yeah. And I know this really sounds like some fucking, like, wiener complaining that they're getting things. But it is like, it, I don't know. It's tough. It, who's to say what's the right decision? We don't know. Who can say? Sometimes, uh... Yeah, I don't think we'll ever know. Sometimes what? Unless unless you have access to all of the, the possible realities out there, you, you can overcome the Mandela effect and see into those worlds. But you know I don't have that. Have you tried, though? Just to think real hard? Uh, Dennis, I think it's time I talk to you about chaos magic. <laughs> oh, man, it only took 35 episodes for this. <laughs> I'm not talking to you about chaos magic. I only have one question. Okay. How much are you actively trying to perform chaos magic? I drew a sigil. But that's about it. All right. So (laughs) what else do we have to talk about? (laughs) Well, I was talking about bicycling. Mm. And this this has brought something up. So I have one friend that I ride bikes with out here. My buddy David. I helped him put together a bike last year. We did a couple of rides. We we still plan on doing some camping and stuff. But, you know, he's a busy guy, as we were saying. We're adults. We got busy lives. So Mm -hmm. he's not always around to ride when I want to ride and whatnot. And I ride a lot by myself. I'm okay with that. But, you know, sometimes I feel like it would be nice if I had some folks in my life who were also into that. So they can watch you do tricks and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. I I got a really good one where I put my legs up over the handlebars. Ooh. And I fucking crash right into a tree, <laughs> which is why I had to get a new bike, because you can only really do that trick so many times. You're not real good at the tricks. Mm-hmm. You got to be screaming at the top of your lungs, I'm, I'm the jackass. And just hope someone is filming you. Yeah, I know. That's the thing, too, is nobody ever is. So my tricks are just like, they're like sandcastles, you know? They're like one and done. Just like a sandcastle. (laughs) Just like a sandcastle. Yeah, you know, the fucking tide comes Mm -hmm. in. Some little shithead kid comes and stomps them. You crash into a tree. Your eye gets kind of wonky for a while because you (laughs) hit yourself so hard. You got some pressure in there or something. What, buddy? You need to go to the doctor. (laughs) So here's the thing. Mm -hmm. I've been thinking a lot. Uh Should I try to get bike friends? Yes. Why not? But I have a lot of issues with that. Right. They're mostly pretentious. A- I kind of hate bike culture. Yeah, like, are you going to talk about, like, wheel and nut size or whatever you guys I mean, about? I could. I'm, I'm like, into that shit. I know about stuff. I work on my own bike. I am constantly upgrading my bike, modifying things and stuff. So I could talk about that stuff with people that were interested. Talk about how you got, a, like, a, 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 a shamani chain ring and some shit, and you ordered it from some dude in Japan or some bullshit. Yeah. Which baseball cards to put in your spokes to get the best machine gun sounds? Ooh, now we're on. Now we're finally sharing something. Yeah, I, I I've been putting a, a Benjamin Slamkin card in there, and it's really it's getting a, a nice crisp. It's not a thing. <laughs> so yeah, there's that thing that I kind of. I, I'm not super into bike culture itself. Okay. Like I don't ever want to wear one of those little stingy brim hats. You oh the hat that does nothing for anybody. Yeah, other than let people know that you ride a bike, I think. And you're really into sh- Shimango uh, chain rings? <laughs> Champatano mm-hmm. bicycle? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, also, there's this thing. I have a hard time with people. Which In what way? I mean, are you asking that question for the benefit of the maniacs? Right, I know what your t- hard time is with people. <laughs> I've known you for over 20 years. You, could, yeah. you couldn't ask the woman at West Coast Video if they had the Punisher in, and I had to ask for you. <laughs> 
Have you ever thought about how I am not a confident person, but I've been forced into this because of hanging out with you? I I have people like that in my life. Jamie is also one of those people. I, I force you guys to be the confident ones who will, will talk to other people. And by confident, I mean confident enough that I can ask a question of somebody whose job it is to answer questions. Yeah. Anyway. Now, I, I've, I've come a long way since those days when I was scared to ask the woman at West Coast Video if they had the Punisher this on VHS. Is, this is true. Because that was 20-something years ago. I don't know, man. I just get so... I, I think about it. For example, I was I was out riding yesterday morning, and I passed a group of people coming out of uh, one of the, the parks here by one of the lakes. And it was a group of riders that kind of looked like they were riding bikes similar to mine. They weren't in the, the Lycra looking like Power Rangers and stuff. They, you know, they looked more casual. Like, they, they don't want to go fast. They're out to have fun, whatever. And I thought to myself, I was like, oh, you know, like, that looks like a group that I would ride with, probably. Or, like, people who are not going to be those kind of bike people that I don't want to hang out with. Okay. And then I just started thinking about, I think, all the ways that that could go wrong. Like how? Like, Give me an example. Like, just just what if I go and it's super awkward and uncomfortable? Then you don't never go again. Oh, did you want actual answers to this? Sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that was an actual answer. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know if you want that or not. Yeah. I'll give you actual answers. Uh, can we step back for a second? Can you explain yeah. what having fun on a bike is? Is it just like, you know, like you go back and forth across the road, like swerving? Just You put your look. legs over the handlebars and you crash into a tree and you okay. yell, I'm the jackass. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Do you ride next to somebody and you're just like, oh, oh, man, oh, isn't this great? This is great. <laughs> it's feeling the wind through my hair. Just, 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 just where the rubber meets the road, you know? Hey, you, you like Bam Margera? <laughs> What is your session with jackasses episode? Watch this. <laughs> I was slamming this fucking tree. Hey, uh, this is re- real nice of you guys to invite me. Uh, my name's Josh, by the way. What's your name? Oh, Barry. Oh, that's great, Barry. Hey, Barry. Barry, you want to be you wanna be friends with me? Oh, no? Well, I'm going to crash myself into this tree if you don't. You want to see this? You want to see this happen? I'm Josh, by the way. Be, say you're my friend, Barry. Say you're my fucking friend. Say it. Don't fucking wreck this bike, I swear to God. You're gonna be my fucking friend. You're gonna be my fucking friend. (laughs) So I I don't know, man. I'm I'm an awkward dude, but I'm not always awkward. Sometimes I do this. Like I can talk to people. I worked in a profession where I talked to people for seven Mm. years. I have gone to things. I've made new friends. I don't know what what the thing is in my brain with this one. It's just like, I'm scared to do it for some reason. Well, Josh, I think you're stuck in this story that you tell about yourself in which you're an awkward dude. And to really continue playing that part, you continue living up to that expectation of yourself. That's true. And it's like, I'm Josh. I can't do this. I'm an awkward dude. I can't possibly have fun on a bicycle. I mean, I don't know who can, but I can't possibly have fun on a bicycle. Wee. I really, but look, I really think you should do this. Because then, when I make improv friends and talk about improv hangouts, I won't feel so weird because you'll also have bike friends and we could talk about our niche friendships that we have with people. Niche? Whatever. Nietzsche. Nietzsche friendships we have with each other where we talk about philosophy and do improv. Gonna fuck crash into this tree like a real ubermensch. Hey, hey, you wanna be my friend? If you don't, I'm gonna do a terrible job at this improv scene. <laughs> I'm going to say maybe end. Oh, man. Look at us. Who'd have thought 40-something years old making new weird friends? Oh, it's so hard. I wish it was just like 
like it was when we were kids. Like, you see somebody wearing a Punisher t-shirt. And that's it. And then a year later, you become friends. Fuck off. No, these days I see somebody with a Punisher t-shirt, I'm like, is that a comic book nerd or just like a really gross dude? Ugh, I hate that. Or you see a guy driving a truck with a Punisher logo on the hood and you say, no thank you. It's just not the way it was. It's too, because we have too many judgments. Yeah, I guess we're we're hardened. Some of some of the judgments are totally valid and correct, but there's like a lot. One. Yeah, like but there's a lot of them though. Like a tough guy with an American flag Punisher skull. Mm mm mm. Or a guy wearing a T-shirt of your favorite food, and you just think, oh, that's just weird. They sell burrito T-shirts. I'm sure they do. But would you be friends with somebody wearing a burrito T-shirt? Maybe. If the burrito looked good enough. Would I be friends with somebody with a pizza tattoo? Probably not. I mean, you probably have at least three friends with pizza tattoos. That's true. I think that's actually truthfully true. Yeah. I mean, you can't judge somebody based on the dumb tattoos they have. Oh, can't I? I mean, none of us would have friends if that was the case. Right. Oh, I still... Yeah. I mean, (laughs) you're saying I can't. I definitely do. I probably shouldn't, but I do. But even though I have terrible tattoos. I See, my thing is... If you're if you're a person with a lot of tattoos and you don't have some bad tattoos, I don't trust you. I think you're a narc. See, that's a judgment. You gotta earn it. <laughs> Shut up. What if I just got a bunch of like tiny bad tattoos? That'd be bad. I support that. Okay. I mean, I already have a straight edge tattoo, so I think I'm already in the club. <laughs> anyway, let's meet back here in some time and talk about all of our new friends. Oh my god, it's a new segment. Oh best God, friend, I hate this segment. Best Friend Simulator Homework. Okay. Well, I did the research, and I actually figured out that that group ride that I saw yesterday morning is a monthly ride put on by a, a local bicycle bag maker uh, here oh, in okay. Seattle. And I actually did comment on their Instagram. They posted a picture of the group. You guys looking good. No, I posted, hey, I, I passed you guys going out of Seward Park and, and thought to myself, hey, that looks like a group I should ride with. And I said, maybe next month. So maybe I'll do it next month. Be my friend next month. Be my friend. What did they say? Did anybody respond? Yeah, they said, yeah, next month. Exclamation point. Did they tell you to meet, meet them at a place that doesn't exist? Meet us yeah. at the south end of uh, Jimmy Jam Park. <laughs> we'll be there. Meet us at the jackass tree. <laughs> What are you going to say when you're done riding with those guys? See, that's the problem. I've done stuff like this before. When I first moved to Seattle, I was trying to find a gaming group. And I, I went and I signed up for uh, Meetup, the website, and, and hooked up with a few groups that way. And went and played D&D, played some other games and stuff. And then the second it was done, it was like, okay, right, I got nothing to say to you, motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, it was really nice, really nice riding with you guys. See you later. And then and then you smash into the tree. So that... You guys... You guys like bikes? So that... Did we talk about this already? They're always going to remember you. They're going to be like, remember that one guy who came, seemed totally chill, but then when he rode away, he slammed into a tree on purpose. Mm. Mm. I got it. I'll bring a razor with me, <laughs> and then at the end of the ride, shave off my eyebrows. I, I wanna, right in front of them. I want to remember this forever. Guys, that was a great ride. I'm sweaty. Shave, shave, shave. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. I had such a good time. <laughs> there's, a, there's a group of people that are into improv that do improv. Like, they just do it not in front of people, like, in front of each other. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm gonna start hanging out with them. Okay. What am I gonna do when I leave? I'll be just like, hey, it's good, good, good improving tonight, fellas. Hey, you really yes ended good like on that one, Jimmy. See, improv is one of those things because can you turn the conversation afterwards into improv? What do you mean? Like, hey, I had a really good time operating a submarine with you guys tonight. Oh, just like keep talking about the scenes that you did. No. Like, spin oh, it into a whole new company. Oh, yeah. I see what you're saying. You want to just never stop improving. Yeah. Um, I can see that being a little weird. Maybe it could become, like, a thing. Like, you build a, a relationship with that person based solely on the fact that you insist that you own their soul. I, I think at some point you have to stop improving. Hey, hey, Brompy, you remember that time Brompy. I stole your soul? Oh, can I improv, like, yo, remember? Hey, thanks for letting me borrow your car. And then he's like, I didn't, I didn't let you buy my car. I'm going to be like, you're not fucking yes ending. And then he goes, oh, uh, yes, and here are the keys. And then I go, thank you. And then I get his car and I drive away. And crash it into a tree. Crash and yell, into a tree. Jackass! I'm the jackass! Remember that guy? He came over to do improv with us and then he drove my car away into a tree. That was really memorable. <laughs> and then shaved off his eyebrows. <laughs> and then shaved off his eyebrows. I had a really good time doing improv. Ugh, shave, shave, shave. Shave, shave, shave. It's hard doing shaving on podcast. Okay, so a month from now, we're going to come back. Okay. Having done this, and we're going to report on it. I'm in. That, that'll that be episode 39? Yeah. Let's do, okay. let's say by, epi- by episode 40, we'll have done this. By episode 40, we'll have done this. We'll have new friends. And then we'll do d- podcasts with them. We'll have our new friends on as guests. Ooh, that's a... Like, same episode. Oh, shit. Do, wait, will they know that they're going to be, like, a f- in, involved in a friend-off? Yeah. Where, like, you fucking... You you just... You drill down on the person I bring, and I fucking come hard at the person you bring. You think you got what it takes, motherfucker? Listen, don't fuck this up for me, Barry. I'm going to bring you on this podcast, and you I don't know who Josh is bringing on, but you've got to be fucking better than them. Barry... You know who you're sitting next to there? That's my fucking best friend. Wait. You think you got what it takes to be his fucking friend? You're- Asshole. Oh, we're gonna yell at the friends. I thought that the friends were gonna, like, go at each other to determine it- who's the better new friend. No, no. It'll be like a scared straight situation. Oh, okay. That's gonna be weird for them. That doesn't seem like a good way to make friends, does it? No, I don't think so. We should hmm. just We should just stab them and see how they react like old times. Remember back in the day when you just saw somebody with a Punisher shirt and then you stabbed him to see how they reacted? <laughs> Let's deal with that. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have them on the podcast and then we'll decide ahead of time on a signal. And that's when we try to shave their eyebrows off. Oh, we try to do the shaving. Yeah. See, I think my improv friend would go with it because they'd feel like it's part of the bit. and They'd want to stay in the moment. I think your bike friend would be like, uh, Shimanji wouldn't do this. Oh, it makes it aerodynamic. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Just stay still. I'm doing this because of bikes. <laughs> We're gonna have a great time together if you let me shave your fucking eyebrows. <laughs> okay, then we'll have them on the podcast, and then we'll see who can continue being friends with them after they do the weirder thing. I convinced them to let me borrow my car, and then I crashed it. Or I convinced them to build me a bicycle, and then I crashed it. Uh- <laughs> I tried to convince them that my cat can say I love you and made them sit in my kitchen for an hour while I kept saying, say it, go ahead, say it, say it. Uh, can you record that? That'd be pretty good. <laughs> it's comedy gold. 
Look, okay. Look, Josh, I'll be your friend. Just stop following me around with that recorder. It's weird. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Moving on. Episode 40. We're going to have yeah. new friends. We'll see where we Speaking get to. Speaking of friends that we've already made, I just wanted to give a shout out to our friend Jim, who was a guest on the Halloween Spooktacular. Mm-hmm. And who has come up often, and who, I guess we kind of let off the hook, right? Oh, yeah, we never did that little little thing. The trial we were going to have about him being a Criminal Minds fan. Yeah, I think that was less because we let him off the hook, and more because we stopped following through. It's the Josh and Dennis way. Hey. Uh, I just wanted to give him a shout out, because every week when he's listening to the episode, he texts Dennis and I in real time as he's listening. Mm-hmm. And it's it's delightful. I thoroughly I have a good time. I thoroughly enjoyed last week that he was doing it at eight thirty in the morning, our time, because Jim lives in Philadelphia, and it was five thirty in the morning your time. And I thought that was a great wake up. I was already awake, so it was fine. Oh my god! Dude. And <laughs> I I wish I had more people to text me at five thirty in the morning about helmet. That's right. He was really into it. So thank you, Jim. And I want to extend an invitation out to all of the other maniacs out there, whether we know you or not. Get in touch with us. It's been a quiet time of year. No? Quiet time of year? No. What? Things have been a little quiet lately. We want to hear from you. So... Yeah, we seem to be getting more listeners, but just no chatter. Yeah, less interaction. Let's let's hear your maniac voices. We want to know what's up. We guys. also want to know what love is. Hey, would you blow me? <laughs> what's wrong with you? That wasn't... I didn't want anybody to blow me. Uh, Yeah, hit us up on the emails shoot us an email hit us up on instagrams facebooks i think i prefer instagram these days me too i don't really get we're getting a lot of love on twitter from other podcasts and it's super cool i'm i'm just not really good with twitter i don't know i guess you gotta really like look at it and i'm not in i don't want to do that i i don't know a tweet from a twat you want to cut that out in editing yeah definitely I think that's a good idea. Uh, also, yeah, Facebook, like, I would have trashed that shit a while ago, but I don't know, like, and nobody really sees anything because we don't pay the money to boost the fucking posts, so I don't even know the point of using Facebook these days. Yeah, so maybe that's a way you can let us know if you think Facebook is worth it. Write something yeah. to us on there. If not, yeah. we'll fucking, we'll cut the cord. I'm about ready to do that with my, my private Facebook account anyway, so. Yeah, I was thinking of that. But I can't because that's where the <laughs> best friend simulator account is tied to. <laughs> so shout out to all our listeners, but thanks to Jim. Oh, and leave us a review too. Rate and review us. Yeah. So real quick, just a recap. Listen to every episode again. Email us in real time or Facebook message or whatever message and then rate and review us. You can and text us if you already know us. And Josh if- will come and fix your bike. I, I'll give you some bike advice. And I'll come and do improv at your house. You think it was a bad Who's idea got, for me to have coffee and Sour Patch Kids before we recorded? Who's got a fucking suggestion? What? <laughs> no, I think that was a great idea. You need coffee to, to perform well on this show. And Sour Patch Kids. You, nobody needs Sour Patch Kids for any reason. I beg to differ. Ugh, that shit's nasty. Alright, Josh. Let's bust into another installment of Josh's Paranormal Portal. Look at that. You you took it this week. I like it. I took it. I took it. And this week, we're going to finish up that Brooklyn Bridge UFO abduction. 
where we have we have really really you know uh, peeled back the onion of this uh, story, and I spoke to somebody, one of our friends, who said, "I gotta be honest, I'm fucking lost." It's because and, and I said. There's just so much information in this whole. Th- it's in, it's crazy. Yeah, this is this is a fucking bonkers one. But I will say this: uh, we did get some good feedback. Listen to Ryan said we should really. I think it was Ryan. We should really incorporate like a reading list. Hmm. Into or like put it out there like this is what we read for this episode because people would like to maybe like to kind of follow up on what we were reading or check it. But I think this all comes from the book witnessed the by Bud Hopkins. I put it away. Yeah. The book witnessed. Okay. And that's really what you read for this. It wasn't like, yeah, that that was the bulk of it. Um, I did some additional research uh, for today in particular. I went outside of it because today is more like what else and, and ideas and stuff about what's happening beyond it. Yeah. And we can actually link out to a few things. Maybe we'll do that on Facebook. Yeah, Perhaps. I thought that was a good. I thought that was a good idea. So yeah, we that would be a great that. idea. It's a thing that we've mentioned in the past, but never really followed up on. Mm-hmm. Wait, what? What? Get out of here! Follow through. Okay, so I think first and foremost, one of the people who has spoken out the most about Bud Hopkins and Linda Napolitano is Bud's ex-wife, a woman named Carol Rainey. So Rainey is working on a documentary. I think the working title for it is Something Hidden. But on her YouTube channel, she has up about a dozen or so videos about this stuff, some behind-the-scenes footage during Bud's life uh, while he was working with Linda Napolitano in particular. And it's pretty interesting. So Rainey was married to Hopkins for 10 years between 1996 and 2006. She helped him with a bunch of his research, helped him edit Witnessed, and I think co-wrote the follow-up book to that, uh, which the name escapes me right now. She started having misgivings over time until she reached the point where she refused to help him with his abduction research by 2006. Four. She didn't want to speak out against Hopkins while he was still alive. He he died, I think, in 2011, maybe. But there was some controversy in the alien abduction community after uh, a woman with the pseudonym of Emma Woods came out about abuse she suffered at the hands of a researcher named David Jacobs. Just a real quick thing about this. Jacobs was a colleague of Hopkins. They worked together very closely and were considered two of the biggest people in the field. Woods accused Jacob of using his hypnosis and therapy to sort of create an abduction narrative, which is one of the biggest criticisms people have in total about this is is the kind of recovered memory phenomena. Mm -hmm. But she says that he did this intentionally to have material for his next book. Part of his narrative involved memories of violent sexual encounters with a hybrid being, which led to a lot of really strange inappropriate behavior on his part. At one point, he asked her to send him a pair of her dirty panties to be tested for alien sperm. Oh... That makes me feel weird. Yeah. And and yeah, he also recommended that she get a, a chastity device to wear to protect her from alien attacks. And he told her explicitly, he's like, you know, I can get you one of those. I'm, I'm pretty into the, the BDSM scene and I, I, I frequent that stuff so I could help you find one, which mm. seems like pretty inappropriate behavior i would say for somebody absolutely yeah and then he started claiming that he was getting threats from a hybrid alien being via aol instant messenger 
because of his involvement with her and then decided that she wasn't an abductee after all and that she had multiple personality disorder and that she needed meds. Uh, This guy is not a doctor. He's a doctor of history, but not a trained therapist. Yeah, so he diagnosed her and it just kind of turned into this big uproar. And so after all of this stuff came forward, Rainey decided she needed to break her silence. She's obviously caught a lot of flack because of this stuff. She... She came out and said that people like Hopkins and Jacobs cherry pick which cases to publicize, particularly the sensational ones that have the most high strangeness to them. She says that the cases that they publicize, that they latch onto and build their careers around, aren't the norm. And they're positioned as the anecdotal examples that describe the entire phenomenon. So she said that they aren't the ones that they hear from the most. A lot of the abductees that got in touch with Hopkins, she, she says were people who look at their experiences in a positive light. And, you know, we've discussed before the breakdown, there's the narrative that Hopkins popularized that the aliens are here on some sinister mission, they're they're threatening, they're doing these genetic experiments on us, whereas a lot of folks believe that the aliens are here to help us, the, the kind of the Space Brothers thing, I, I think it's referred to. Mm-hmm. Uh, she said that when he would get calls from people like that, he would meet up with them once, do like a single hypnotic session with them, and then never return their calls again. He would only latch on to the ones that fit his narrative and the thing about this is that she believed Hopkins and Jacobs weren't doing this intentionally. It was kind of like a cognitive bias that was working into what they were doing. It, it's that confirmation bias. Sure, right. Does that work here? So th- I'm looking for this and I'll find it. Yeah, exactly. Like if, if you in your head, you think the aliens are here to perform genetic experiments on people, you're going to subconsciously weigh those cases more than the ones that don't fit your narrative. And the big problem is being too credulous like that lets you fall victim to hoaxers which is very likely what happened to Hopkins with this whole case. It also could lead them to unconsciously co-create narratives with abductees that fit these pre-existing narratives. Oh, sure. And if somebody's like confused, like, oh, I don't know if this happened to me, you know, would they be like, would the investigator, quote unquote, be like, oh, it probably did tell me more, tell me more, and then just kind of feed into that. Yeah. And I mean, it doesn't have to be as explicit as that. It doesn't have to be, oh, no, this happened. You know, like there's there's more subtle ways that you can work that in to somebody who's in a suggestible state. So the, the thing is, the whole cornerstone of alien abduction is that so much of it seems to be built around this idea of repressed memories. Now, the issue with that is repressed memories aren't recognized by the modern mental health system. Mm-hmm. And there's no compelling evidence that they actually exist. So there's... There's this idea of false memories, which are these, it's exactly what we're talking about right here, suggested memories. I don't think they're listed in the DSM, and I was actually just reading that they're not in there because of politics, more or less. I don't know. Right. Uh, you know, they... Yeah, I wouldn't know why. The The DSM is, is a very political book, but also, I mean, repressed memories are kind of hard to prove. But there is proof. There's actually something I I discovered called the lost in the mall technique, which was done, I think, initially by some graduate students. And then they sort of refined it and turned it into something. Uh, So this is basically a memory implantation technique that they developed that's designed to implant false childhood memories, specifically in this experiment, a childhood memory of getting lost in the mall. So they found that 25% of all the subjects in this experiment develop a memory of getting lost in the mall, even if it didn't happen to them. 
And now this has been a widely repeated experiment. The results are very consistent. So about a quarter of people that participate in this are suggestible. They, that you can give them a memory of something that didn't happen. A lot of this actually comes up in what I wanted to talk about, I think, on the next episode, Satanic Ritual Abuse, which is a whole can of worms. But a lot of that runs parallel to the alien abduction phenomena because so much of it is built around these false memories. So get ready for that next week, folks. Yeah, and like I said, uh, Rainy receives a lot of shit for this because she's coming out. Uh, a lot of people really view Hopkins as a saint. They, they you know, mm-hmm. they, they see him as this person who is just just trying to help. And I mean, I, I believe it, it's very likely he could have been doing that. But his own biases and stuff were coming into play here and maybe not creating the most truthful narrative. So Rainey had some things to say about Lyndon Napolitano, since this is arguably Hopkins' biggest case. Uh, and just to remind everybody, Lyndon Napolitano is the main focus of Witness. She was the one abducted. Exactly. Yeah, she was the woman abducted by the UFOs, had a long history of abduction claims. Yeah. So when Rainey first met Hopkins, uh, he w- he had already been involved with the Napolitano case for about five years and was just finishing writing Witnessed. The advance for the book was divided between Hopkins and Napolitano. There was d- open discussion between the two of them about a lot more money that could be coming their way down the line if the book was optioned and turned into a movie. Uh, Rainey, who came from a more structured scientific background, found that this arrangement was kind of strange. I I think if you're assuming the role of a therapist in some way, which Hopkins was definitely doing, it just seems really weird bringing money into the equation. Not that Napolitano wouldn't be entitled to some money, I think, if the case was if, if any sort of film or whatever was based on her case. But it just Rainey just was very suspicious of it because she was like, well, if this woman is stands to make money off of this, wouldn't the possibility of her escalating these claims to make it more outrageous to, for, wouldn't that be, what am I trying to say here? Uh, wouldn't it be possible she was exploiting herself almost? Yeah. Bumping up the claims and making it a bit, the whole thing zanier and more entertaining for the sake of getting a bigger paycheck down the line. Right. So Napolitano has talked a lot about this case to a lot of people. And one of the things that she said over and over again was the amount of money that she made off of the book was enough for her to, to fill a single cavity at the dentist's office. Hmm, but but Rainey, who was, you know, intimately involved with the whole process, says that wasn't true at all. She said that there were many details of the case that Hopkins carefully omitted from the final story because they didn't fit his narrative. For example, and this is a pretty good list, short but good, uh, Linda claimed that during one of her encounters, she was abducted alongside of famous mobster John Gotti. Okay. She said that at one point, this is, I think, after the book was written, she was summoned to meet with the Pope. She said that she was in the lobby of the World Trade Center on 9-11 when the first plane struck. A doctor told her that her red blood cells didn't die and could rejuvenate themselves. And she also said that she was a professional singer and sang on a hit record, but lost her singing voice in the shower one day. Oh, interesting. So these are all things that Hopkins never talked about afterwards. And, you know, it it seems like these were omitted because they didn't quite fit the narrative he was trying to, to tell. So 
she cites, and there's a video on YouTube where she talks about this explicitly. Uh, she said that Hopkins knew Linda lied to him often about things. And she cites an instance in 1996 where Linda said she and her cousin Connie were chased by Richard, I think, uh, which I didn't understand. And I couldn't find any further details about the case. Uh, but she was getting chased by either Richard or some government guys. Hopkins said he really wanted to talk to Connie. Later that night, he took a phone call, listened quietly, said a few things, and then turned to his wife and said, that was Linda pretending to be her cousin Connie. Oh, shit. That reminds me. Um, I, I, I have to run. I can't finish the rest of this recording. Oh, shit. Okay. But my cousin Danny is going to come and finish it for me. Oh, Dan- on, be- da- Dennis? Danny, I said. All right, I'll see you guys later. Danny, let's go. What's up, I'm Danny. Oh, hey, hey, what's up, Danny? I don't, you know, hey. I don't, I don't think we've actually met before, man. Oh yeah, you're Josh, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, I heard a lot about you. That's you're weird. Into aliens and bikes and shit. Yeah, that's weird. You know, I've known Dennis for a really long time. I don't think he's ever mentioned you before. Ah, uh, he's a great dude. Cool. It, you know, what's uh, interesting. You yeah, look, yeah, yeah. you look a lot like Dennis here on on this Skype call. No, I have a mustache. Uh, it's this. It's this marker. Okay, pause here, Dennis. I really wished that you drew a, a sharpie mustache. I I know. I didn't. I don't. You know. I don't like writing on my skin. I know, but that would have been really good. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't really sell it. I just kind of winged it. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, you were a- talking about something serious. End scene. End scene. Thank you. So, in 1993, Joseph J. Stifula, Richard D. Butler, and George P. Hansen published a critique of the case. Uh, Some of these people were actually involved in it in some way and had met with Napolitano over the course of the investigations. Uh, They knew Hopkins. I think they were present for a a few of the recorded interviews that he had with her. They point out initially, and they were they were pretty skeptical of things because some of the details that she shared with them privately when they met with her independently of Hopkins were different very different from the details she presented at the MIT conference that I mentioned last episode. So they point out some things. Uh, The first and foremost is that Hopkins never actually met with Richard or Dan in person, which seems kind of like a huge thing. Right, because Hopkins said he talked to Richard like a bunch, didn't he? He never spoke to him directly. He received recordings from him, and Linda acted as an intermediary for them to send messages to one another. He would... He would write letters, give them to Linda, who would then pass them on to Richard. And then Richard would send correspondence back to her, or he would mail him letters. I don't think they ever actually spoke directly, either on the phone and definitely not in person. So one of the things that was very interesting about that was almost all of the correspondence that Hopkins received from Richard, from Dan, from DeQuayar, from several of the witnesses, was all typewritten. No actual writing. That's convenient. Yeah, very convenient. Now, Hopkins downplayed that aspect and talked about how the writing all felt different, the the phrasing, the sentences, the, the sentence structure and stuff. So he, he lent a lot of credence to the fact that these were different people based on the writing style. But Rainey actually had some handwriting analysis done on a few documents that did have handwriting on them. Uh, I think the correspondence was actually, it was typewritten, but had handwritten addresses on the envelopes. 
So Rainey had a handwriting analysis done on handwriting from a letter from one alleged witness, a woman named Janet Kimball, and numerous sample samples of Napolitano's writing. That this analyst, there, and there's a video of this one too, we'll post the link to that for sure. The analyst concluded that they definitely matched. And Hopkins also was regularly accused of sloppy research methods. For example, he didn't interview any of the apartment building security staff from that night. Uh, people who were working on the premises definitely would have seen something. One of the, the folks that published this critique pointed out that Hopkins didn't even bother to look up the weather conditions of that night. Now, it turned out it was a clear night, but Hopkins didn't even think to ask that. What was his position before he was writing books? He wasn't. Like a, was he an actual journalist? No, he was an artist. He he was he was oh, right. he was yeah like a, a a painter. Pretty I mean he was making a living off that, and he was just drawn into this because of his interest in UFOs. So I, I think the single most damning strike against all of this case, and this is something pointed out in that critique, is a novel published in 1989 by an author named Garfield Reeves Stevens called Night Eyes. Now here's the thing. The Napolitano saga bears more than a passing resemblance to many of the details of this novel. In fact, her whole narrative reads like a composite of two characters from the novel, two women named Sarah and Wendy. So here's here's a little list. For example, Sarah was abducted by a UFO hovering over her high-rise apartment building in New York City. Two government agents became involved in the abduction while on an early morning stakeout. Wendy was kidnapped and thrown into a van by two of the agents. Wendy was taken to a house on a beach during a kidnapping. Before the kidnapping, Wendy contacted a prominent UFO researcher who lived in New York City. Wendy and Derek, who is one of the government agents, communicated during an abduction. And Wendy and Derek knew each other somehow before these events. So that stuff all... And I, and I think there are some more details as well, like some more subtle details. But... All of this stuff seems like it was lifted directly from the book, right? And yeah, it, it seems like it's not just a coincidence. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's so specific. Like, and there's the, the way that, that the Napolitano narrative mirrors the plot of this book. You know, like a woman getting abducted from her high-rise apartment building in New York City. Two government agents are watching it happen. You know, like all of this stuff happened in the story that Napolitano claimed. And then also it seems like if you had somebody who was like, oh my gosh, tell me more, right? And you maybe didn't have more, or you saw how interested they were in you. Yeah. You kind of like, and then check out this other shit that happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it it's so, it's just really hard for me to figure out what exactly happened in this case. Did Napolitano really believe all this stuff happened to her? Was she delusional? Did she think? Did she read Night Eyes and Intruders and put all this stuff together in her head? Like, did she actually believe this story happened? Did Hopkins help reinforce that kind of delusion that she had? Or was she a grifter, you hmm. know? I mean, why would all of those other details come into play about the Pope and all that other stuff? That doesn't sound like somebody who's trying to grift because that's over the top. Yeah. That sounds like somebody who's maybe delusional. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there are other wrinkles in this, uh, some explanations that I've read in, in corners of the internet. Uh, some folks believe that this was actually a big disinformation campaign. What? And, and a lot of people cite the case of uh, a guy named Boutros Boutros Ghali. Whoa, from the UN. Yeah. 
Okay, so there was a report in 2001 in Britain's independent newspaper discussing a guy named Richard Tomlinson, who was allegedly a a former MI6 agent. And he revealed that during the run-up to the 1992 UN Secretary General elections, MI6 mounted a smear operation against Boutros Boutros Ghali. And their whole angle was that they were trying to prop up this idea that he was a believer in the existence of UFOs and extraterrestrial life. So a lot of this stuff started to get printed in the media that he believed in this stuff in order to damage his credibility and make it seem like he wasn't fit for this. It failed. Obviously, he went on to have a very rich career with the UN, also starring on that one Ali G episode. Uh, So a lot of people look at this and say, maybe that's what was happening here. Maybe de Cuellar had a smear p- campaign waged against him. And maybe either Napolitano was actively a part of this, or maybe Richard and Dan did exist in real life, but they were agents working on this angle. They were feeding her information. Maybe they found a susceptible person, somebody that had already been involved with Hopkins, and they could feed her information. So that that's one of the more conspiratorial angles that is pretty... It's fun to think about. I don't know if that's the truth or not, but... Right. Because some charlatan maybe exploiting somebody who's delusional sounds a lot more believable than... A couple people actively, you know, getting together in some conspiracy to overthrow some, you know, or or to, to make some politician look crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, overall, this whole case, I don't know what to think. I don't think Napolitano was abducted by aliens. But other than that, I don't really know what the hell happened here. I, I, I haven't been able to make up my mind. After all the research I put into this, I still can't conclusively say napolitano was either i don't know if she was lying i don't know if she believed it or not it's yeah it's a fucked up one look if you got to the end of these and actually could conclusively say something or another i mean that'd be pretty fucking impressive i don't think that's what we're trying to do here but we can find enough details to say uh, it doesn't it's not a straightforward like this is what happened the end kind of thing yeah yeah exactly and I mean, the thing is, you, you can't prove a negative. You can't right. prove a thing didn't happen. So that that's, I think, the problem that you run into with all this stuff. And that's people on the believer side of the paranormal thing expect skeptics to do that. They're like, okay, well, prove to me that it didn't happen. But that's not how it works, you know? Right, we're so, just adding skepticism to it. Yeah. So yeah, that's the that's the Linda Napolitano Brooklyn Bridge UFO abduction case. It's Dude, that, that was a... Uh... A lot. It was a dense one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. And again, I apologize because that was one that I expected to be a little shorter, a little lighter in tone. But then once I got there, I was like, oh, fuck, this goes way too deep. And I don't know how to stop myself from falling down rabbit holes. Well, it shows you're a good investigator. You you followed some trails. Yeah. Some clues. But Dennis and I have discussed a little bit. We're we're gonna work on that a little bit here. I think we're gonna we're gonna come up with some new ideas for presenting this stuff, so it's not just me going nuts with this shit. We're gonna tighten it up. Yeah, we're gonna make it a little tighter. Yeah, but look, I think you did a really good job. Hold on, somebody else wants to say something. Oh, oh, hey, Josh, it's Daniel. 
Oh, D- Daniel. Hey, who are who are you again? Hey, did re- oh, Dan- you- I'm Dennis's cousin. Yeah, you have the mustache. I see. Yeah, you did a really good job. Hey, thanks, Dennis man. Is, Dennis is real proud of you. Hey, Daniel, can you do me one favor? Oh, yeah, anything for Dennis's best friend. Yeah, it would really, really confirm for me that you're a real person that exists. Uh, 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 uh okay. That Sharpie you're holding, can you just draw a mustache? It is my mustache. No, I mean, you're holding it up to your face like it's a mustache, but can you just, uh, just, 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 just pop that little cap off there and just, just give all yourself. All right, look, you got me. Caught you red-handed. It's me. It's me, Dennis, your friend of many years. I, I had a feeling. Dude, you're good at this. Yeah. When you said somebody wanted to talk to me and then didn't get out of your chair and moved the mic around a little bit and then held a Sharpie up to your face, right. I was like, wait a second. Yeah. Something doesn't seem quite right here. Right, right. Wow, you you really... <laughs> you, uh, you, you laser focus, my friend. Laser focus. I got the chops. You do. I think you could do this professionally like we're doing now yes is this professional something josh yeah i think it's all the time we have for this professionalism i think so next week satanic ritual abuse everybody get into it i mean don't really get into it get prepared for it bye bye Thanks for listening to another episode of Best Friend Simulator. Send us an email at joshanddennis at gmail.com. That's Dennis with one N. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best Friend Simulator. And thanks to Alan for the theme music. Listen to his podcast, Werewolf Ambulance, and Marveling at Marvel's Marvels. Also, thanks to Justin for the artwork. See more of his stuff at burntobuild.com. That's all the time we have for this outro. Bye. Bye.